in those days and the redneck ways and the no change is gonna do you good get back home to camp i'm wade phillips and i'm west phillips we're past and present coaches here to bring you an insider's perspective on the teams the people and the personalities that we've encountered over time all right, today on the uh, show, uh, we've spent some time in the past talking about some Hall of Famers that you've coached uh, throughout the years, and uh, now we're going to talk a little bit about uh, guys that are uh, future Hall of Famers or potentially future Hall of Famers. Uh, the Hall of Fame uh, eligibility, you have to be not on a roster for five consecutive season so a few guys in particular we will talk about but uh starting off with number 94 uh the great demarcus ware a guy that you coached both in dallas and in denver ended up winning a super bowl in denver uh with demarcus but uh demarcus being the 11th pick in, in the draft out of troy what are some of the things, just just when you think about DeMarcus, that, that made him uh, the player he is um, and certainly soon-to-be Hall of Famer? He's actually eligible, uh, I believe, this next, this next class. I guess, I guess two questions. What made him special, and, and do you think he's a lock to be a first ballot Hall of Famer? Yeah, I mean, he's, as far as a player, I, I, don't, I don't see him not making the Hall of Fame. I mean, remarkable player. You probably have the stats on how many sacks and all that stuff he had. Uh, but he was a force on the field. He was a force uh, in the pass rush and the running game. And then uh, you were lucky enough to get him at Denver, too, toward the end of his career. And he still, you know, he had two sacks in the Super Bowl. So, I mean, he's still playing at a high level. You know, one story on him, you know, he, he got drafted by Bill Parcells. And Jerry Jones told me this story that Parcells didn't want to take him that early. And they had two picks in the first round. And Parcells wanted to take a different player. And Jerry, of course, Jerry's in charge. And he took uh, DeMarcus Ware uh, on the first, their first pick in the second round, in the first round. And so uh, he said Parcells went in his office and locked the door and wouldn't talk to anybody because he was mad that, you know, he wanted to take the other player. It turned out that uh, the other player was still available on their, I think it was 19th pick or whatever. So they ended up getting both of them anyway. But he said he said Parcells was really mad, but <laughs> he was really really pretty lucky they got him. Somebody else didn't get him in between. Well, yeah, that that other player was uh, Marcus Spears. I remember same draft that while you right. you were in San Diego uh, took Merriman. Uh, I think you guys had back to back picks for both of those picks, the Chargers and the Cowboys at that time. That's right. Yeah, and uh, and Marcus Spears is a good player too, but. You're talking about a Hall of Fame guy, you know, if he gets to that pick and somebody else, you know, somebody else gets him, he's not a, he's probably uh, in the Hall of Fame with somebody else rather than the Cowboys and the, and the Broncos. Now, the interesting thing about uh, DeMarcus to me is, you know, he went to Troy and he's from Auburn, Alabama. Uh, and I kind of understand if, if a guy is uh, maybe undersized and ended up being being uh, having a Hall of Fame career, I mean, we've told the story about cutting Steve Largent, right, in, in Houston. But this guy's one of the best athletes I've ever seen 
you know, on a football field. How do you think a guy like that just doesn't get noticed when he's riding the backyard of a of a school like Auburn? Yeah, I asked him. Uh, I ask. Uh, I think I asked one of the Auburn coaches one time <laughs> when I was scouting, but it seemed like uh, that he played safety in in high school, and he was, you know, he was over two hundred pound uh, high school player, and in Auburn, I, I mean, you, uh, he's bound to have been a good player. <laughs> You know, I don't know the real answer for sure. I know they made a big mistake by not taking a hometown uh, kid. Yeah, it's amazing how some of those hometown guys kind of slip through the cracks. Uh, a couple years older, but one of his teammates on that Troy team was uh, O.C. Uminiora as well. I can't imagine those two guys at Troy in that conference, yeah. you know, coming they off the They had some edges. good teams, though. Yeah, they, they oh, yeah. really did. Leotis McKelvin was a freshman uh, you know, he played over a decade for the Bills. He was on that team as well. Uh, one thing, you know, just a few of the traits. I mean, I remember, I remember his get-off being just special. Um, you know, we we've discussed previously how, uh, you know, the refs just couldn't couldn't see. They would throw flags on him and couldn't see how fast he was getting off the football. His athletic ability, his bend. Is get off, is bend? I mean, what, what are the traits if you're just saying, I want a pass rusher here, and, and what are some of the things? I mean, is get off like one of the key traits? Uh, most of them, yeah. I mean, if, if you have a pronounced slow get off, that really, really does hurt you. I mean, if you have an average one, I think you can, with feel and strength and some other qualities, you, you, can, you can be a good one. But uh, DeMarcus was so quick off. We talked about that with the Giants in the game. Uh, in the playoffs, how quick he got off, and uh, it happened to him several times. So, and, and that's what I said. I, you know, I talked to the official before the game. And said he's moving faster than everyone else, but he's moving when the, when the ball moves. You know, his reaction time. He's got to have a tremendous reaction time. I think very few guys in my career have that kind of reaction time. That you know, once once you see the ball, because you're looking at the ball. Once a ball moves, you react and and start forward. Well. He did it quick, quick as anybody I've ever seen. Do the great ones, I mean, is there an element of guessing uh, at times? I mean, they're looking in at the ball, but, I mean, some guys are getting off so fast. That, I mean, we, and as an offense, we're trying to mix up the cadence all the time to try to try to take some pressure. But Or, or are they getting indicators? I know you guys, I mean, you guys have... Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, there's obviously, you know, you know the snap count, you work during... Uh, during the week on the snap count, you can uh, tell more about it, uh, and they give a color or something, and then that tells, or a day of the week when the snap count's coming. You know, those kind of things you can pick up. Uh, but that would help anybody. But just when you don't know, you know, when the snap count is, the really quick reaction guys get all quicker. Well, no question. Uh, one of my memories of him in practice is uh... – you know, we would try, we would fake the power play, the strong side run with the guard pull and, you know, without getting too technical, but fake the power play and then flip it to the halfback. The halfback would jab towards the play side and then the tackle goes down and you get you get that open side defensive end or outside linebacker in DeMarcus's case to cave down right there. And I mean, we would we would have him. He, did, he didn't even care. He would He would run all the way down the line to make the play for the power and then he'd see it was a flip and he would redirect and the back had him outrun or at least he thought he did but he would catch him every time i mean it was it was unbelievable yeah you couldn't run the 
the flip or the weak side flip play on him at all. And again, that, that's part of his reaction. Not only speed, uh, he had great quickness, but uh, even when he wasn't basically going the correct way where the ball was going to go, he could react so quickly and, and then had enough speed and take the right angles. A lot of guys don't take the right angles either, uh, but he, he knew his speed and uh, really just put it all together. He actually, uh, in 2008, he tied a guy named Simon Fletcher with a sack in 10 straight games, which is pretty amazing. I mean, Simon Fletcher was one of my favorite guys uh, from your time in Denver, your first time in Denver. Uh, just talking about Simon real quick, I mean, he he had 97 and a half sacks in 11 years and never made a Pro Bowl. And I understand, you know, the, the names and the Never made all pro, never made pro bowl. Was he was he one of the I mean yeah, he has to be one of the better rushers that you've had. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well yeah, ten straight games he got a sack. Uh I was actually we coached a Pro Bowl a couple of times and I, I would you know, say, Hey, these guys to the outside backers, you shouldn't be there, you know. Simon Fletcher ought to be here, you know, they got mad at me, but certainly he was good enough to be there. And incidentally they played the same position. They played the will linebacker in the same defense. Mm-hmm. Well, DeMarcus uh, finished out with uh, 138 and a half yeah. was how many sacks uh, he ended up with in his in his career. Uh, Dallas club record in 2008 with 20 when, right. when we were both there in Dallas. I mean, that club record almost approaching the, the all-time record there for sacks. Yeah, he, he missed four, four sacks that year. We kidded him. And, and there was also another play where he ran the – Guy out of bounds, and they gave the sack to someone else. You you turn it into the league, and then they tell you whether that, and they wouldn't give it to him. I don't know why they didn't, but for some reason they gave it to somebody else on our team that was wasn't closer. We thought the closest one to the ball when the guy runs out of bounds ought to be the guy that gets the sack, but they they gave it to another player on the team. Hmm. So he would add one more for sure. Well, led led the uh, led the league in sacks in that 2008 year, and also in 2010, which I just I thought that was you know that was the year that you were fired from Dallas. We started out one and seven, but I just thought you it was, had to bring that up, right? Well, okay. I thought it was worth noting. You know, 15 and a half sacks on a team that was struggling. So even you know the, these great players, these Hall of Fame type guys, even even on a team that was not having success, guys like this are still making their presence felt. Yeah, still successful, and that's right. Like I said, he's a force on the field, certainly. 138.5 is a a lot of sacks. (laughs) We've talked about a lot of Hall of Fame type players and and now future Hall of Famers, but was DeMarcus a leader? And just in general, you know, would you consider the players, all these Hall of Famers that you have coached that are already in the Hall of Fame – do you consider these guys, were they all leaders? Do you have to be a leader? I know that players will follow guys that are making plays on the field, right? Sure. I mean, that's always, they're always going to be drawn to those guys that are producing out there. But just from a leadership standpoint, uh, was DeMarcus a leader? And, and, and is that a trend maybe for these Hall of Famers? Yeah, I don't, I don't know that it was a trend with him, certainly. Some of them weren't. They were leaders by example. I mean, you, you want to follow how they played, certainly. But DeMarcus was always trying to help other guys. You know, he always tried to help and pass rush. I always thought he'd be a good coach, you know, because he he would help the younger players, uh, especially with pass rush stuff. And 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 I think that's a leader. Is you're gonna you're gonna help other players on your team 
be better, and that's what he tried to do. Well, I, I also think when you are that good, I mean, they're not every guy, but there's some sense of I can teach them everything I know, and they still won't they still won't be as good as me. You know, I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that in a negative way, but they're actually sometimes, as you know, sometimes some of the things that these great players tell some of these players that aren't necessarily as talented, you know, you kind of have to tell those guys. Don't listen to what he said. You can't do what DeMarcus does. Yeah, there's there's a lot of truth in that. I mean, I think that's why it's hard for guys that were genuinely great players to be coaches because a lot of things came easy to them. They didn't – not that they worked at it. I mean, they knew hard work. I think I think that all of them had that and a lot of heart. But they, they didn't have the abilities uh, – they didn't know the abilities of the players they're coaching, basically. And, you know, and they tried to relate it to the, themselves, which is a whole lot different than a guy that's not a Hall of Fame caliber player. And, and they, they've had uh, guys have tried to coach, and I, I guess maybe some of them could have, but uh, generally it's guys that were average players. Those kind of guys have made kind of the best coaches because they, they had to teach an average player to get better. Well, right, and and even in their own experiences, or even my own experience, I know that if I didn't do things, I had to I had to think about more the technical aspect of it being just right. Because if it wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to throw the ball well, or I wasn't going to make sure. that throw to the wide side of the field. I mean, my feet had to be right, my arm it had to come up the right way, or else. You know, I had to think about more of that, whereas, you know, great players, it's a little, a little more natural. Yeah, especially with DeMarcus. I mean, I, a pass rush is, is what I, I call feel. You have, to, you have to feel where you are and also where the offensive tackle or whoever you're rushing against, where he is, and be able to take advantage of where he isn't. And going inside or going outside is, is a feel part of it, it, you know, or trying to, you know, push him back and then make him push back at you and go around him. There's a lot of different, but that's the the field part of the game that really the great rushers all, all really have. No question. Um, I think just worth noting as well, one of the one of the better human beings I think either of us have have ever been around in, in coaching and as far as as far as players players are involved. Oh yeah, he's uh, you know he, he's I still see him working out. He's he's still ready to go. I mean, you see his workouts on. Uh, on Twitter or YouTube or whatever. I mean, he, he still works out hard. And uh, it, somebody better sign his little boy. I, I've seen stuff on his little little guy that he outruns everybody. In the, I know he's in flag football or something, but, but he looked like he's, he's an athlete too. So I wouldn't be surprised that one of these schools will sign him early. Well, it's, it's no surprise that, you know, there's so many legacies in the NFL when you're talking about these – you know, a guy like DeMarcus, you know, his kids got a chance at got least. Got a chance yeah. to be a pretty good athlete. Yeah, uh, yeah sorry. Uh, sorry I didn't do that for you. But <laughs> Well, I, you know, I was lucky to get some, some of mom's genes there. There you go. Uh, okay, moving on to uh, DeMarcus's teammate towards the end of his career, uh, a guy you coached for two years there and ended up winning a Super Bowl, becoming Super Bowl MVP, uh, Von Miller in that Super Bowl 50 win over over the Panthers. What would you say are maybe similarities between uh, a guy like Vaughn and DeMarcus or differences? I know they're different, maybe a little different style of rusher, but uh, what, what are some of your observations about how each guy, you know, uses the tools to win? Yeah, both of them had a great feel. 
uh, Vaughn did it different than DeMarcus. I mean, Vaughn was a pretty powerful guy and used a lot of his a lot of power. I mean, he could use speed rush, and so go DeMarcus, and both of them could do similar things. But Vaughn was so strong against, especially against the right tackles, who are usually really strong guys. He could power them. You know, always rushing half a man. You can't rush right in the middle of when we talked about that, but rushing half a man, and he he could push them back, and and then if they fought back, he could get around them pretty quickly. Uh, he utilized that really well. Well, he, uh, in that Super Bowl, I mean, he had six tackles, two and a half sacks, two forced fumbles, two QB hurries, and and became the MVP. One of the things that, it may have surprised you just as much, but uh, that defense was dominant that year, and particularly the pass rush led the league in sacks that year. And I, I, I just remember that first third down of the game. I mean, uh, did it shock you that there was no help on the edges there for, for really – Either side, uh, when when well, Cam Newton actually we back. started the game. We, we were going to go with a four-man rush with with Demarcus rushing and Vaughn spying the quarterback and playing man-to-man. We felt like we could play man-to-man on him. But our rush was so good early in the game that we we said, hey, let's just go ahead and rush five. Let Vaughn be a rusher too, because Cam, you know, was it was the MVP of the league. I mean, you know, and and well deserved, and he. You know, he'd run for a lot of yardage and gotten away from rushes and so forth. But it was it, it was pretty evident early that we were going to get by him and we were going to be able to get him. And that's when, yeah, that's when uh, Vaughn rushed and knocked the ball out in the end zone and, and we recovered for a touchdown, the first touchdown of the game. So, and after that, we just stayed with that. And, of course, Vaughn made another big uh, sack, fumble. And actually on that play, they had a chance. The, the guy, I thought the guy was kind of open that he was going to throw it to. He waited he waited a while for him to get open, which was hard to do in our secondary. The no-fly zone was pretty good, too. I mean, mm-hmm. talking about the, we were number one in pass defense, too, and we are number one in run defense, a pretty good group. But anyway, yeah, he, he, he made two fantastic plays. One of them, we got a touchdown. The other one, we got the ball first down on the five in Super Bowl. So it, it didn't any wonder that he was the MVP because he certainly was. Well, Vaughn is already uh... – and, and this is without uh, playing the 2020 season due to injury. I mean, already had 106 sacks, eight Pro Bowls, three-time first-team All-Pro. Eight Pro Bowls. Does the Pro Bowl mean a lot to you? It's been called a popularity contest. Do you think it still means a lot to the players? I know it means something to the agents. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, it means, yeah, it means a lot of money, yeah. In some cases, and sometimes it's in their contract that they get whatever a hundred thousand bonus, whatever uh, if they make the Pro Bowl. So it's important. I think it's important to be recognized by your peers. Uh, it's still, you know, the fans are involved in it too. You know, I, I I'd rather have just a committee that maybe ex coaches like me and <laughs> that uh, really look at the all the video of, the, of all the games and see who's really playing the best. Because I think you do get some holdovers every year that he made it last year, and so and sometimes they didn't weren't even playing, you know, and they they'd get it. So I I don't know if there's a better way to do it, but it is important, I think, just for the players, especially when they have a good year, and, and then some of them get left out. They really do. That's for sure, and you see a lot of holdovers, especially with offensive linemen, you know, because generally people aren't studying 
how they play. They're going off name recognition. Hey, this guy's the best center in the league, you know, whoever that might be. And like you said, there's been years where a guy's injured or something and doesn't really play that often, but people just put his name on the ballot because he made the Pro Bowl previously. Yeah, and almost every other position has stats. Defensive players all have tackles and cause fumbles, interceptions, those kind of things. And then offensive players, the quarterback, obviously, the running backs, receivers, how many balls they catch or how many touchdowns they score. There's no stats on offensive linemen. I mean, they're really obviously a really important part of your team. There's there's five out of the 11 you know, players on offense, but uh, nobody really sees what they do or uh, it's not a it's, there's no quantified stat on who played the best. Right, hard to measure, hard to gauge and yeah. and uh and really a lot of times, I mean even even if you look at sacks allowed by players, you know that they do try it's not always not, unless you watch the tape and see exactly what happened. I mean, it's not always one particular guy. Even on uh, pass targets, uh, if you throw the ball out of bounds and it goes over somebody's head, well, that's a target for for that person, and it affects their target percentage. I mean, if you're mm-hmm. looking at stats, it's just all the stats, just like every stat, just has to be looked at individually and and because it doesn't always it doesn't always work out. Yeah, and then defensively, uh, you know, they take the stats from the game itself, the stat guy uh, on tackles and assists and things like that. And we've always it's always upset me that guys that are making the exact actual plays aren't getting the credit for it. Or if they, and we always want defensively, we always wanted to give. You know, say there were a guy makes a tackle and there's three or four guys that assist. We want to give three or four guys assist. You know, they're only allowed to give one guy an assist. And we want to reward our guys defensively by having more assists because they're, we want them to get around the ball and, you know, make a tackle or have more assists uh, the next time. So, so yeah, stats are, you know, they're a little bit skewed. Some of them, some of them are really accurate, but, but other things like that are, are really subjective. And, you know, you just can't see it from the press box. And even if you see a little replay, of who made the tackle and who actually was assisted tackle in games Hmm. consistently. Right. Anything else on on Vaughn? Well, a lot of things on Vaughn. Vaughn's kind of a different different personality, right? Uh, Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, he's he's a fun guy. He's he's a great guy. Uh, He's a lot of fun to be around. After he got the MVP, he did in our training camp the next year, uh, you know, they have big crowds at the training camp. You've been there in Denver, and they have a big crowd. Well, he was always the last one to come out of the dressing room, and the crowd starts cheering MVP, MVP. So, you know, <laughs> which is nothing wrong with that. And uh, most of the great players I've been around had a, not a big ego where they're bigger than the team, but but they believed in themselves a whole lot, and they enjoyed that. And and he's one of those guys like that. Do you Do you feel like you have to be a little bit – selfish to be to just just to get to that level I mean whether it's ego or or I know I know you know there's an aspect of the team that these guys definitely embodied but just just to have the 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 drive the self-determination yeah I think that you just said it determination and the one wanting to do better than everybody else all the great ones I've been around that that's been a really almost with all those guys uh they have they want to, you know, they want to be better than everybody else. And even when they are, they still want to be better. They have that drive inside them that 
and it's not ego. It's it's. Uh, I think it's just they have something extra that, that a lot of people don't have that they want to do better. I don't know how to explain that uh, real well, I guess. Yeah, there there's kind of an ultra competitiveness, um, e- even to the point where I've seen guys that are uh, so competitive that they almost can't handle it when other people on the team aren't the way they are. You, you know, because they, I mean, they are so about winning every every matchup and being the best and and it's it's difficult for them to even see guys that yeah they don't they don't understand that that's for sure you know that i'm talking about the other yeah other players don't understand that sometimes that and it can be a problem when you're being a leader you know and you say hey you need to you know you need to do this well the other players sometimes take it the wrong way well speaking of leaders uh, i know this guy, guy you guys took uh, in 2014 when you were with the Texans with the 13th pick in the draft, J.J. Watt, uh, number 99. Now, you know, we've talked about a couple outside backers, uh, you know, moving more of the interior of your 3-4, at least in your system. What was the process like when you guys were scouting J.J. and, and kind of, was it a no-brainer when it, when it got to that pick that, okay, wow, J.J. Watt is available? Uh, what's your memory of that? Yeah, we uh, we wanted a defensive player. They were 30th in the league in defense. So we I came in as new defensive coordinator. I wanted a defensive player. And I, I, I think Rick Smith, uh, you know, the GM, and, of course, Gary Kubiak, the head coach, I mean, they felt like obviously they need to help the defense. And so we were looking at defensive players on the first pick. They did an interesting thing that uh, Gary and, and Rick let all the offensive and defensive coaches watch – tape or film on the guys, you know, on all the top prospects. You know, we watched the offensive guys too, just the top guys that we might pick in that, you know, in that pick, I guess. That's the way they did it. And then they kind of voted on every, you know, they wanted to vote on everything, you know, who would take so-and-so when we were mock draft. I don't know that everybody knows that, you know, most teams or all the teams I've been with go through a mock draft where they take names off the board. And then, then they'd start all over and say, well, you can't take this guy and go to another one. So you get a lot of variations. But they uh, they had people, even during the draft, and when we were going to pick, they said, all right, how many would like J.J. Watt? And it was about 50-50. A guy named Bobby Greer, who was a really great scout for us, stood up and said, I, I think we ought to take J.J. Watt. And then I stood up and said, hey, you know, I, th- I agree with that. I think he's the guy. But half the defensive staff had voted the other way, you know, so, uh, and I really don't know if it was Gary or uh, Rick Smith or the combination of those guys who did, made the final decision. Whoever did made a great decision, certainly. Uh, so what was his name, Greer? Yeah, Bobby Greer. Bobby Greer, uh, shout out to Bobby Greer for all you Texans fans. First guy to stand on the table for J.J. Watt at draft day, right? Yeah, he, he, yeah. he thought J.J. was better than... Uh, now, we were going to take an outside backer. You know, we wanted an outside backer. And actually, Alden Smith was drafted before us. We thought he was the best outside pass rusher. And they started saying, well, we, you know, now that we didn't get the outside backer, you know, maybe we ought to take an offensive guy. And that's when I started shouting, wait a minute here. <laughs> we, need to, <laughs> we need to take a defensive player. If we can get a defensive lineman, we can move Mario Williams to outside backer which is exactly what we did. Uh, Mario had 10 sacks. No, he had a sack in every game until he got hurt the, the next year. 
but as an outside backer, he was the biggest outside backer I've ever had. But yeah, he was. Yeah, he's six six, two eighty, two eighty five, uh, but could run. But anyway, uh, they were saying, well, you know, we we're, we can't get the outside backer. I said, wait a minute, we'll move somebody to outside backer. Let's get a defensive player, and so we did. Well, it was a uh, definitely a great choice. Uh, Three time defensive player of the year already. Now he's moved on to the uh, Arizona Cardinals, which I'm not excited about. Yeah, and you know what we liked about him was, you know, he had natural feel. We could see that, and he had the quickness, and uh, he had great great explosion. But he led Wisconsin in PBUs, passes broken up. You know, for a defensive lineman to to do that, it's pretty amazing. And he, uh, you know, he led the NFL in that, too, when he played. Well, yeah, in his, like I said, 2000. 12, I believe, or what was it? When did he come out? 12, yeah. I think I misspoke and said 2014 earlier. But uh, already in his career, 101 sacks and uh, 61 pass deflections. Yeah. Uh, I mean, is he, the, is he the best ever when it comes to – I mean, you, you think, okay, you're trying to, get to the, trying to get to the quarterback, trying to get to the quarterback. I mean, what, what made him better? Were you guys coaching that hard? Was that just something he'd always – I mean, obviously he was doing it at Wisconsin. So, But have you had guys like that before? Most of the time we teach, have to teach that. If you don't get there and the quarterback's throwing, if he's a right-handed quarterback, reaching up with your left hand, things like that, a lot of that's coaching. But, you know, J.J. was a natural, obviously, at that. And you, same thing, like any player, like a pass rusher, you have to have feel for, you know, the ball being thrown. And, you know, just reaching up and hitting it. And, you know, out of those 61 he had, I mean, he had, I know he had two interceptions for touchdowns. You know, who knows what happened with those completions for yardage, you know. So, I mean, it's a really a key thing for a guy to be able to do that. And he's, he's made a career of it, and he's been, been the best at it. I, I do have a memory of uh, when we were both at Dallas, uh, just sometimes walkthroughs, because you, you guys had coached that so well that just out of habit, I mean, we're, we're running our offensive plays against younger defensive linemen, look team, I mean, in walkthroughs. And one of the young guys, you're, you're, you're just lofting a pass to somebody, you know, just to throw it to the back, and one of your guys would reach up and, and uh, bat the ball, you know, and say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He'd pull his yeah, hand down. I've had a, a lot of offensive coaches get mad at me through the years and because our guys did it, and they say, well, it's not – I said, well, we're we're trying to teach, you know, but they and they're saying, well, we need to teach our guy to complete the ball, though. So, yeah, <laughs> it's always an argument back and forth, but but it's something that you know you have to, uh, like anything, you have to do it enough to be to be good at it. it. Has to be something that you do all the time, and and some of them carry it over to walkthroughs. They probably shouldn't, but they they do, and and it helps you be a better player defensively. Well, tips and overthrows, right? Oh, yeah. Tips and overthrows on defense are huge. Interesting thing, he, he's led the league in sacks twice. And uh, when he led the league the second time, he actually he tied the record for the most seasons leading the league in sacks with two, which is which is kind of amazing that it's only there's there's only been DeMarcus Ware, who we talked about, Mark Gastineau, Reggie White, Kevin Green, Michael Strahan and Jared Allen, who have actually led the league in sacks in two separate years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a tremendous accomplishment. Those those things are hard to get every year for him to be able to do that. And he's still going, so he's still got an opportunity. Well, yeah, and and you know, I don't want to minimize at all what kind of player he was against the run. I know 
you know, especially, uh, you know, I just really re- remember him backside of runs. You try, you know, a lot of teams are trying to run away from him. And he was so hard to cut off if he wanted to shoot the gap. But if you over, if you overshot it, he would just run behind you and, and, and flatten off down the line and go make the play still. Yeah, some, guy, some coaches, uh, I mean, that's a no-no. Don't ever go behind the block. And it's probably true with most players. It is true with most players. But he had such a great feel for where the ball was, where the blocker was, and whether he could go behind or in front to be able to make the play. Again, technically, I don't want to get too technical, but one of the greatest plays I ever saw him make was he's playing on the strong side, and we're playing an I-formation team, and they're running a lead weak. They're, they're running over the guard on the weak side. He's playing over the tackle on the strong side. And he wasn't stunning. It wasn't like he was stunting towards that. They tried to cut him off. He went behind the guy and got the, got the back for a two-yard loss. Now, I mean, if you know football at all, I mean, this is one of the amazing plays that gets overlooked unless you're a coach. And uh, I still couldn't believe he made that play. I, it's just great to hear that because I, I feel that way a lot too. I mean, sometimes I think people might think because we coach in the league uh, that we maybe see when there's a great player – when he's when he's doing the kind of things that JJ or any of these guys we've talked about, me as a coach, I mean, I'm going in 15 years in the NFL, and I grew up around these players, and it's still, I'm sometimes in awe by some of the things these guys are able to do. I mean, it's it's still an amazing thing, just like it would be for any fan to see, you know, some of the things these guys do. I mean, there's still an appreciation beyond just, hey, well, I'm a coach, and I tell him to do that. Yeah, I mean, that's was. 2013. Right. And I still think it's one of the greatest plays I've ever seen. I have one with, you know, Reggie White and other different players, too. I mean, it was just, uh, it's amazing some of the things they've done. But I can remember a specific play that that they did that nobody else I've ever coached or seen do. Yeah, and I, I guess, I guess for me, it's it was a long way of saying that I, I'm I'm a football fan. Yeah, you know, well, me too. Just, I like watching these guys just like everybody else. And uh, another guy uh, I'm a fan of, uh, another '99, uh, the great Aaron Donald, uh, also a three-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year, a guy that was drafted to the Rams before you arrived, but I know really had a lot of success, uh, particularly 2018, 20 and a half sacks in that 2018 season uh, when, when you were there as the coordinator. Uh, hard work pays off. That's that's oh, yeah. that's Aaron yeah. Donald's motto. He doesn't say much, and, and, and that's one of the things I've heard him say more than once. Uh, what, are, what are some of your thoughts about, about Aaron? Yeah, I mean, he's, uh, he's gifted like all of them, but he works harder. He outworks people besides being more talented. He outworks people. His effort is tremendous. Uh, he's a tremendous effort player besides being an ability. And he's got natural feel, like a pass rush and things like that, but he's got so much power. He's in the category with Reggie White in that area because Reggie was, could, could generate so much speed and power that, that went into power that made, it, made him so hard to, to block, and Aaron's the same way. Now, the special thing about Aaron is he plays inside. He plays a, a defensive tackle basically a lot uh, where he's over the guard where the center can help. Uh, one of the things we did with Reggie White when I went to Philadelphia is we changed him from a defensive tackle to a defensive end. 
And we did actually did the same thing with J.J. Watt, too, moved him outside on pass rush because they they could chip with the back on you, but you know they don't, you don't have two linemen blocking on you all the time. Uh, Aaron Aaron's overcome that. I mean, uh, that's awfully hard to do, but people put two linemen on him a lot, and oh, probably yeah. most of the time if they can. Yeah, and some some people. I mean, I've I've been on offenses before where you you have a guy like that where you tell the back to check his prote- protection responsibility and a six man protection, and and then check for guy like Aaron Donald then check Aaron Donald and then get out if you can yeah uh, well San Francisco did put their fullback in the game uh, and had him on line up on the side with Aaron Donald and then the guard and the fullback had him every play I mean pass every pass play uh he he came out in 2014 from from Pitt he was he was the 13th pick so I don't want to say you know anyone didn't know that he was going to be a great player or at least believe that but do you remember watching him and do you remember if there were any concerns about just his stature i mean there's well i mean everybody everyone says you need taller you need length (laughs) to be good but he didn't have that he had great speed he got great speed to power um, and the feel uh, and great strength great body body strength overall you just i mean you see it in practice all the time he he disrupts practice because he's going to go hard all the time, you know. You have to try to gear him down just to get some plays run sometimes. Oh, he's a he's a nightmare for the offense. But I say that he's a nightmare, but he, he's one of the few guys, and sometimes DeMarcus would, would be like this. I mean, these great players where uh, you run a play in practice as offensive coaches, and you might be looking down the field at, at your player or at the coverage or what it might be, and then all of a sudden the, the whistle's blown, play's dead, or, or you run a run play and there's – you know, the guard's five yards back in the backfield running into the back and everyone's colliding. And then you kind of see that it's Aaron and everyone just says, you know, oh, they kind of look, was that Aaron? Yeah, it was Aaron. Oh, okay. And just move move on. Yeah. You know, nobody's nobody's saying, oh, you got to do this or yeah. that. You know, yeah. it's just like, it's just Aaron and Aaron is going to be Aaron. But the size, the size thing is, it just kind of shows you, I think, like I love the examples at any position where, you kind of see that don't don't be too rigid with you know what you think of a, a defensive tackle looks like or a quarterback or a you know they come in all shapes and sizes. Yeah, he definitely does. I mean, he it's not the mold that you'd say all the ones that are in the Hall of Fame are look like because he's he's different in that, but because of his height and length, but his play is certainly there. He's also and and maybe it's just because I've. I've been with him. I don't know that I've ever, and maybe I'm just more in tune to it, but in my career, I don't know if I've ever heard anyone's peers across the league kind of talk about him, talk about other players the way they talk about him. It's almost like a foregone conclusion around across the league that every guy's like, oh yeah, Aaron Donald's the best player in the league. Yeah, he has that. Most of the guys I've been around that are Hall of Famer, certainly. The, the the other teams feared him, that's for sure. Well, no question. Uh, okay. Uh, is there anyone else? Okay, these guys were pretty much guarantees, locks for the Hall of Fame. Is there anyone else worth mentioning throughout your career that you coached? I mean, there's a couple guys come to mind for me. I mean, that, that maybe maybe had the, the career and the numbers and all that to uh, potentially get, get into into the Hall. 
Uh, well, I mean, some of the players I had, Robert Brazil got in a couple of years ago, and I coached him in, in the 70s. So most of the ones, we, these guys we talked about, they're just finishing their careers. Or uh, Vaughn isn't through yet, certainly, and J.J. Watt isn't through, and Aaron Donald isn't through. So, I mean, DeMarcus will be in next year. So so most of them, we're talking about guys I've coached lately. And uh, the, the one I would say that I think is a tremendous player is, I think he'll get recognized uh, sooner or later, and that's a keep to leave. You know, he's certainly uh, in the Hall of Fame of personalities. <laughs> he wins. He's he's definitely that. I mean, and that's his competitiveness too. I mean, people, uh, if you're around him, you you know that. Uh, but he was part of that. You know, he's a big part of that. Certainly, that group, uh, the no fly zone, that, uh, won the Super Bowl. You know, he was with New England. And they went to Super Bowls. He's with. Uh, Denver, and then uh, then we got him come to L.A., and we went to the Super Bowl, and he actually guarded Gronkowski a lot in that game. I wish we'd had him on that one play, but yeah. uh, but he you know he played and helped us go to the Super Bowl there too. So three different teams there that he was a part of and a big part of, and I think the other part is I think he's tied for the most interceptions for touchdowns. I mean, every time he got an interception, he's he's going to go for it. Yeah, I think he's maybe tied with Rod Woodson, I think, or or one of those guys. I'm not I'm not sure there, but I think he has like ten. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. He, yeah, he's going to try to score every time, and he had the ability. You know, he's he's a good runner after he catches the ball, but he just had that knack of interceptions and and reading the quarterback, all those things, and and he was hard to fool. You know, he didn't give up big plays. Well, certainly high praise uh, and well deserved for Akib Talib. Yeah, yeah, he had he had a few other things going on, you know, the chain deal where where, where, where he ripped the chain off of uh, uh, the Oakland player. Oh uh, yeah, oh yeah, Texas Tech kid, right? Yes, Crabtree. Yeah, Crabtree. Yeah. yeah, I knew you'd get it. But anyway, and that 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 just shows you kind of his personality was. He didn't want somebody coming out there wearing chains. When this is a football game, that upset him, and people took both sides of that. I understand, but but he didn't want somebody coming out, you know, wearing a wearing a chain, and and thinking he was gonna, it was a party or something rather than a football game. So he pulled his chain pretty good. He did yank his chain. Yep. Well, one of the uh, best all time out of out of University of Kansas. Played against him when I was coaching at Baylor, and uh, certainly recognized his ability then and. Uh, potentially a Hall of Fame career uh, after that, uh, and not surprising, not surprising. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, Kay, you went to Orange Bowl one of those years he was there. I don't know if they've been back since, but yeah. But, yeah. Well, uh, several uh, several great players I know we'll be, we'll be seeing uh, putting on gold jackets uh, sooner than later. I don't think, I don't think we'll have to wait uh, like you did with Robert Brazil or any of those guys uh, 20, 30, 35 years later. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and those guys were good enough, certainly. You know, people didn't realize it. There's a lot more media coverage now. I mean, you get to see them play, and everybody gets to. Uh, I'm sure the people that vote on them get know a lot more about them than they did, you know, back then. But these these guys, uh, yeah, I think all of them will make it. But you know, D. Warren, Von Miller, and J.J. and Aaron are sure locks for sure. Probably first ballots. I would no, say. No, no doubt yeah. about it. Yeah. Well, that's a great that's a great conversation about each each of those guys, uh, true talents, some of the best to ever play, and uh, also great people on top of that. And we we, uh, we can't wait to see uh, see their acceptance speeches. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> 
hope I'm around for all those. <laughs>